Hey, welcome back. This is, this is really a treat uh, to be back together here gathered in Morton 235. I am so glad that you are here tonight. And even as I say welcome back, I realize uh, there are many of you, you're stepping in here for the very first time, and I want you to know we are so glad that you are here. So glad. And you are not alone. Uh, there are a lot, of, a lot of people here tonight who are walking in the door for the first time. And we're so glad that you're here. My name's Chad Helmer, and I, uh, the most important thing you need to know about me is I have the best job in the world. Man, I love what I get to do. I get to serve with the ministry of crew. I get to hang out with all of you. I get to come to 180s and Bible studies and hang out with incredible students and talk about who Jesus is and how he changes our lives. And so um, I'm a Bobcat. I graduated from Ohio University in a year that shall not be disclosed, and um, <laughs> And uh, I think most of you were, yeah, most of you were alive, so that's good. Um, but, but a ways back, and I, my, wife, my, my wife and I, we love Ohio University. We love Ohio University Bobcats, and we love getting to be a part of what God is doing here. And so um, it's really a treat to start off a new year with all of you and, uh, and, and really to kick off a new semester. And so I'm excited tonight. We are beginning a series in the letter in the New Testament, the letter of 1 Peter. And we're calling this series Living as Foreigners in a Familiar World because what we're going to see in 1 Peter as we walk through it is that while, we are com- as while we're comfortable and familiar with life in this world, it often feels painfully, we feel painfully aware that this is not our home. And for those who are in Christ, we're actually foreigners and outsiders to this world. We're journeying toward a future hope of a heavenly home. And everything in 1 Peter that we're going to look at is helping us to live out, to live in the midst of the tension of being foreigners in a familiar world. And so that's where we're headed for the next several weeks as we walk through the book of 1 Peter. But tonight, as we kick off a new year and a new semester, the thing I want you to hear and that we're going to see, and we're actually just looking at one verse tonight. I'm so excited about so rich. But in one verse tonight, because of what God has done through Christ, rejoicing, rejoicing is the fundamental posture. It's the foundation of the Christian life no matter our circumstances. Rejoicing is the foundation of the Christian life, no matter our circumstances. And so we're going to look at two reasons why rejoicing is the foundation of the Christian life. Um, So I want to invite you, uh, if you brought a Bible, to turn to the book of 1 Peter. You can pull it up on your phone. Here's what I want to tell you really quick. I like to say this at the beginning of every semester. One is, um, we've got Bibles for you. Grab a Bible uh, afterwards. Come up here, grab it free. You don't even have to talk to anybody. Just grab it. It's yours. And um, and bring a Bible to 180 every week. Because even though we're looking at one verse tonight, it's good to get to know that book and where things are at in it, Okay. Um, and then I want to encourage you to make 180 just a regular habit in your week. Um, I would say just make a commitment. Now, I'm going to be here for at least the next three weeks and, uh, and see if it doesn't become a habit for you. To be here every week, bring your Bible and see what God will do as you show up here. But we are looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And really two reasons why rejoicing is the foundation of the Christian life. Here's the first one. Maybe. Possibly. Help a brother out. (laughs) There we are. Um, Verse 3. 
This is, this is Peter. He's writing. I'll tell you more about who he's writing to in a minute. But he's writing, and he says, According to God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's all we're looking at tonight. Because that right there, friends, is, it's, it's, it's the bomb that detonates the beginning of the letter. It is, it is incredibly significant. Because rejoicing is the foundation of the Christian life because we have been born again. Now, I want to talk about this for a minute. Have you, have you ever wished that you could go back and start something anew? You just say, oh my goodness, if I could hit the rewind button on that, I would do it again. Um, this summer, uh, my wife and daughter and I, we had the opportunity to spend four weeks at our partnership location in Bratislava, Slovakia, and I wouldn't hit rewind on that. That was awesome. Um, but afterwards, we went on a vacation, and it was long. It was a two-week vacation my wife had planned. My wife, if you ever talk to her, she loves traveling, and she loves planning vacations. So you talk to her, just ask her what vacation she's planning, because she's working on something always. But she planned this incredible vacation for us around an undisclosed part of Europe and after we left Bratislava and we're, um, we've got our rental car, a little kind of European mini car thing and um, we're looking for the Airbnb that she's booked for us, okay? It's got great reviews, we're really excited about it, but as we're reading the reviews, there was one that mentions it's, it's a little hard to find. So we're following the GPS and as we pull up to where our Airbnb is supposed to be, there's just an alley up this way. We go, oh no. But we're on one of these ancient cobblestone European streets with, with, there aren't sidewalks, they're just buildings. Well, I realize um, I'm going to have to just keep going and circle around and come back to this Airbnb of ours if I can find it, okay? Well, as I'm driving along, um, the road's getting more narrow <laughs> and more narrow. And I'm a pretty confident driver. I've never had an accident or anything. I feel really comfortable, but I mean, it's getting the, the, the walls are closing in, okay? Um, and as we, as we kind of circle around the corner, it becomes obvious, wow, this is going to get really tight. So I hit the little button and the mirrors come in. And so, um, so this is narrow and we're moving along. And then there's this turn between these two buildings. And friends, when you look at the turn, both walls are, they're not scratched, they're they're carved with mirrors, okay? Just carved with, and, I, and I'm like, sweetie, I don't, I don't know about this. You know, my heart's racing, I'm sweating. And, um, and I'm like, you know what, we, we, can, we can back out, right? Well, and I start to back up, and at this point, it's so tight. I'm like, I don't know if I can back out without scratching, not to mention if another car's coming behind me on this one way. So anyways, so I just, I think, I think we got to do it. And so we sort of, I've got my eyes open, but I don't want to watch. Um, and uh, I start to sort of inch forward. And friends, I'm telling you, if I'd put my hand between the wall and the mirror like this, it would not have fit. And I'm just inching forward, waiting to hear the scratching, just waiting. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, wait. Oh, we made it. We made it through. And we just barely, I thought for sure my mirrors were going to be just part of the carnage, right? And I'm like, what am I going to tell the rental company uh, when I show up? But we survived just barely in the sweet relief that we made. You know, I've, and then we found a parking lot and we carried our nine bags like a quarter of a mile because I wasn't risking that again. Um, <laughs> but um, here's the thing, friends. Um, in the moment, um, 
we were really nervous and, because we had made a terrible decision to drive down the street, and we barely escaped. Um, follow me for just a second. I wonder if, for some of you, I haven't just described your fall semester. Follow me here. Some of you may feel like you came through the fall semester and you narrowly escaped. It was a close call. Um, may, maybe, you, maybe you even got a little banged up in the fall. Um, maybe it was not your best experience. But you're here now, and you're looking for a do-over. You're looking for a fresh start. And I'll tell you, when we escaped through those narrow walls, I said, we are not doing that again. And if I'm, it, my suspicion is that there are some of you here tonight that are saying, I do not want to do that again, what I just experienced in the fall. This semester and this year has to look different. You don't want to live that again. And so, friends, look at the passage. Look at what it says for just a second. According to God's great mercy, and because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, we have the ability to be born again. Which sometimes is, sounds, maybe it sounds kind of cheesy. I don't know how that, how that hits you. But the thought of starting life all over anew from the beginning is a wonderful invitation. It's to start life over afresh. And that's why, that's why Peter begins, praise God. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we get a fresh start. Because the God of the Bible, the, the, the God and Father of our, Lord Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ is a God of fresh starts of brand new beginnings. Every morning when I, wake, when, when I wake my daughter up, we sit on her bed and we read the Bible, but then we pray together. And almost every morning we pray Lamentations 3 together and thank God that for his steadfast love that endures forever, that his mercies never come to an end and that his mercies are new every morning. That by the grace of God, we are given a fresh start. Each day, and you're given a fresh start at the beginning of the semester. So here's what I want to say. Um, two different kinds of people in the room here tonight. One is maybe you're here tonight and you're just checking this out. And maybe you wouldn't even describe yourself as a follower of Jesus. We are so glad that you're here. And I want to say that right here in this passage, there's application for you. This passage is such good news for you. Because through Jesus, God has made a way for you to get a fresh start, for your whole life to begin all over again. You don't have to keep circling back through the narrow passage trying not to get banged up. You can just respond tonight and decide that tonight's the night that you place your faith and trust in Jesus, that you say you're going to give uh, trust and control to him like Carson talked about, and you could decide to surrender your life to him tonight and say, I'm not going back. The future is with Jesus because the, the past did not work. And you know, when Jesus tells us in Luke 15, he says that when, that when someone makes that decision, there's great rejoicing in heaven. He says the angels celebrate in heaven when one person makes that decision to say, I'm not going back. My future is with Jesus and I'm walking with him. But if you're here tonight and you're a follower of Jesus, I just want to tell you, there's an application in this passage tonight too for you because your proper response is rejoicing. And that might sound silly or maybe even obvious, but how often do we go throughout our day rejoicing? 
The exhortation here is to rejoice for what Jesus has done for us by being raised from the dead, what he's accomplished for us. That his resurrected life is now our life. That you now live in him because of what he's done for you. Because his righteousness is now credited to you as your righteousness. Because his spirit now dwells in you. The exhortation is to rejoice because of what God has done for you in Christ. Being born anew is no small thing. So rejoicing is the foundation of the Christian life because we've been born again. And there's a second reason I want to look at. There we go. Um, Rejoicing is the foundation of the Christian life because we have a living hope. It's right there in verse 3 again, right? According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We've not just been born again, but we've been born into something, into a new and living hope. And as we walk through 1 Peter over the next several weeks, you're going to learn that these Christians who Peter is writing to, these are Christians scattered throughout what was then called Asia Minor, what today is the western part of the country of Turkey. Uh, But he's writing to them because uh, they were suffering persecution just for being Christians. Just by nature of being Christians, life was really, really hard. And... Of course, we've got all the other things we could talk about, temptation, uh, in, temptation and sin, fighting temptation, just the struggles of following Jesus in day-to-day life. But they, they were undergoing a very particular kind of suffering as they were being persecuted for their faith. And it wasn't some state-sponsored, like, well, we're going to make Christianity illegal sort of thing. Um, it was actually much more similar to what we experience today. It was social and cultural, and this is a little bit different, but commercial persecution for having sworn their allegiance to Jesus. From some of our earliest historical sources outside of the Bible, we know that Christians were scorned and sometimes even arrested because they didn't worship the the imperial gods of Rome. They didn't worship Jupiter and Juno and Minerva or Caesar himself. Instead, they, they refused to do that. They said, absolutely not. But in the Roman Empire, well, worshiping those gods was synonymous with being in the favor of the state and wanting good for the empire. You ask those gods to bless the empire and to bless the good of the empire, and because Christians wouldn't do it, it was like they were enemies of the state. And so, socially, they have this appearance of being sort of subversive enemies of the empire because, of course, anyone who cared about the well-being of the empire would have worshipped the imperial gods. But as a result, they're despised in their communities. They're probably having trouble buying things in local markets. And in some cases, they're the targets of hostility or even open violence. But they would not bow to the cultural idols of their day. And that made them targets of scorn and persecution. Now, that doesn't sound like a very fun way to live. But it gives us a picture of why Peter is writing to them and writing to us. Because their hope, this is the thing that Peter wants them to know. He's reminding them that they can rejoice because their hope is not in their circumstances. Their hope is not whether the future looks bright or not for them in the moment. Have you ever had to undergo some kind of really painful, difficult thing, even though that you knew it was going to be fine in the end? Um, I think about movies all the time like this. Um, I don't... uh, I don't know what it would be for your generation. Avengers, um, you know, some, some incredible epic. that You've rewatched it a couple times. You know how it ends. For, for me, it was the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I'm dating myself now. Uh, but, um, but it doesn't matter how many times I watch Frodo get the ring to Mordor, okay? Um, I'm on the edge of my seat. Every, what's that? Spoiler. 
It's an expiration date, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> so, um, but no matter how many times I've seen the end of the movie, I'm on the edge of my seat the whole time. I'm, I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I'm wrapped up in the drama of the circumstances of the characters. And, and what I need to do when I'm watching that movie to calm myself down is the same thing that we have to do and that Peter invites us to do day in and day out, which is to zoom back out and remember the bigger narrative. You need a larger frame to think about your circumstances. Peter wants to remind his readers and us that we've been born into a new and living hope and to always be zooming out broader and broader still, remembering that the end of the story is certain. Because that's what, that's what the scriptures tell us, is that in the end, God wins. That in the end, we get Revelation 21, that there will be a day where there will be no more mourning or crying or pain or death, and the old order of things will pass away. And it means that no matter how dark our present circumstances seem, if we zoom out, we're reminded of what Jesus has accomplished for us, and it's going to be okay. More than okay. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, our future is now secure. There will be a day when, when that future is reality. And it's why if, we were, if you were to look down in the passage in verse 4, Peter tells them, he says that that future is an inheritance that's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, and it's kept in heaven for us forever. It's not going anywhere. It's as sure as it can be. And so no matter the circumstances we experience on a, any given day of the week, we just have to zoom the frame out wider to remember this, that our hope is sure. It's incredible cause for rejoicing. And it's why if we were to read down further in verse 6, Peter says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. One of the most pointed words in that verse is the word little. In this you rejoice, though now for... Just a little while, things are hard. But one day in eternity, your future is secure. You already know the sto how the story ends. It means practically as Christians, we're called to do what theologian Michael Sleesman, he calls this living futurely. We're called to be a community that lives futurely. Tomorrow or how the story ends is actually more important than today. The sure future that we have hope in is more important than our present circumstances. We live oriented toward that future day, and it casts hope back on everything that we experience. So no matter whether you're coming into a new semester full of hope and excitement or difficulty and painful circumstances, what verse 3 tells us is that you can rejoice with hope because of what Christ has done for you. And so here's what I want to do. I want to pray just to wrap up my time, um, and the band is going to come up in just a moment. But here's what I'd like you to do. I'm going to give you just a moment of silence. We'll bring the lights down, and I just want to give you an opportunity to talk to God on your own, silently, by yourself. And I would say maybe you're, if you're the, the kind of person who's here tonight and you think, I just narrowly escaped the fall semester, and I need a fresh start. This semester looks different. I just want to encourage you to talk to God about that for a few minutes. And tell him that. And if you're here tonight and you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, but tonight you want to make the, the decision to say, I'm not going back. I'm only going forward and my future is with Jesus and what he's done on the cross for me. Then you can pray that to him. 
And God isn't as concerned with the words that you say to him as he is the attitude of your heart and your posture toward him. And so I'd encourage you to take a few minutes and you could just pray a prayer like, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and take control of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. I want you to rule and and run my life because I know you can do it better than I can. And give him control and say, you know what? I want to be born again into a new and living hope and I want tonight to be that night. So I'm going to give you a moment to pray and then I'll pray to wrap us up. So go ahead and talk to the Lord on your own. Oh God, we give you great thanks for your great mercy that has caused us to be born again into a new and living hope because of the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And Father, we collectively rejoice that you've delivered us from the consequences of sin, that you've delivered us from hell, and that one day you'll deliver us from death. We give you thanks for the gift of your Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And we give you thanks for all of the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ because we've been born again. Father, I pray for my friends here tonight who may not know you, uh, who, who may not have placed their faith in you. Lord, I pray that you, would, that you would move their hearts to begin afresh and anew with you, to place their faith and trust in you for the first time. And Lord, I pray for us as a community of believers that we would be people whose fundamental disposition is rejoicing that we live life futurely full of hope. And Lord, as we spend time now worshiping you, rejoicing together for what it is you've done in the gospel, we give you great thanks and pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the 180.